I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Online, on your mobile, and on FM. From the home of time. This is Maritime Radio Greenwich. So very good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live. It's the big match preview here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio, uh, stars of TV, uh, uh, Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Good, thanks, Louis. Yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy yourself last night? Good on fun. Fan UK TV, or yeah, Fan TV fun. UK, whatever it's called. Uh, you're very good, and we'll, we'll be hearing about that later. Also on the telly with you was, was Nathan Munner. How are you doing, Nathan? Yeah, living the dream. We yep. had to sort of, uh, it's a bit hard getting there, wasn't it? We had to fire yeah. out the crowds outside and all the autographs. Yeah, it was all right in the end. It was right. <laughs> we struggled to get here tonight as well, and then decided to leave as the show was starting to go and get some chocolate. And now this you're back this chocolate's mouldy, I'm telling you. It's, right. <laughs> it's been there like six months. <laughs> it's been here since Maritime left, which was a good solid two months ago. <laughs> So well, they, it is the home of time, so I thought it was stand still, wouldn't it? But yeah, no, no, time passes in Greenwich, it's not timeless. <laughs> uh, right, on tonight's show, we're going to look back uh, very briefly, because none of us were there at the Checker Trade uh, Trophy draw slash defeat slash, I don't know what you can call it really, when you lose on pens in a pointless competition. Uh, to Colchester, we're going to hear from Terry Smith, the club commentator and Charlton Live team member who was at the game. We're going to discuss and listen back to moments from... Uh, the two men opposite me on the table there, their moment in the, in the, in the limelight on TV, Fan TV UK. And now, during the week, the, uh, and the first anniversary of the Sheffield Wednesday game uh, marked the first anniversary of the big protest here at the Valley. The first time we saw fans protesting in, en masse out, outside in the car park uh, was against Sheffield Wednesday, again that we went on to win. So it's been an entire year. Uh, so we're going to look back at a year in protest, and I've done a bit of a montage. We can listen back to how... Um, uh, how the protests progressed throughout the year. We've got plenty of interviews there. Uh, and of course, we are going to look ahead to this Saturday's game with Swindon Town, our Cholton connection this week. And it's very rarely that we're choosing a, uh, a manager rather than a player. So he was a player for us anyway, but a manager for Swindon. Uh, he got sacked no, not long after kicking a, a former player of, our, of ours up the arse, uh, Paolo Di Canio. So you can get your Paolo Di Canio memories in. Uh, you can email them, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet them. Uh, at Charlton Live, we're going to talk about Paolo Di Canio. Let us know what your memories of him are. Of course, we're going to hear from Russell Slade as well as so we look ahead to, uh, <coughs> to Saturday's um, game with Swindon Town, the early kickoff. Right, now, um, Tuesday night, the Checker Trade Trophy competition. Uh, and, and sadly, we're no longer in it. It is um, pretty gutting. Yeah, it was heartbreaking. It was a, a tough night, Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just about over it. I, yeah, I lost a, bit, a few hours sleep, but you know. We'll concentrate on the league. Mm. But, um, we'll come back stronger. Yeah. Uh, so the game, the game finished as a draw. Nicky Jose got a goal uh, in the first half. Uh, Colchester were level through Macaulay Bond's header. Uh, not long after, just before the break, uh, the game, uh, no, no goals in the second half, finished one one as is customary in the Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself trophy. Uh, there was a penalty shootout to decide who finished bottom of the group. Uh, and I'm assuming that we did, because we lost. Is that how it works? I guess so. Yeah, so... 
so there you go. So we lost the penalty shootout. We're out of the checker trade. Um, now, I, uh, obviously, I didn't, I didn't go. I think it's the first away game I've missed in about two years. Um, you guys didn't go because... Uh, Why would you? Yeah, I think hardly anyone went. There's 140-something Charlton fans. Uh, but one Charlton fan who did go is, and you can always rely on him, is the club commentator and uh, show, Charlton Live show member, Terry Smith. Now, he went to, uh, he went to Colchester. Uh, so I thought it'd be best if I contacted him to find out how the game went. Uh, so I spoke to Terry on the phone about an hour ago. This is what Terry Smith had to say after that game at Colchester. Joined now on the phone by uh, club commentator and Charlton Live member, Terry Smith. How are you doing, Tell? Not so bad, Louis. Thank you, and you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Right, now, you were one of the few hardy souls, or maniacs, as, as they're known in the trade. You actually, you actually went to the, the checker trade at Colchester. Uh, what, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I think I made the number of Charlton fans there about 168, I think it was. <laughs> or 161, maybe, or somewhere, somewhere in that region. Um, and uh, the game thoroughly deserved that number of people, I think it's fair to say. Not, not a classic, then? <laughs> well, I mean... I suppose you have to look at it slightly introspectively and say, well, you know, we all knew what it was going to be like. And, you know, we got to see Joe Aribo play, and I think um, he was my man of the match. And, you know, you get to see players that perhaps um, you wouldn't normally see. And, and Joe Aribo, I think, took his chance well. So he's one for the future. Other than that, it was um, fairly pedestrian. We looked OK until uh, until they scored, really. And then uh, things the wheels fell off a bit. Yeah. For for those listeners who don't, you don't really know, what what what's Joe Aribo like as a player? What position does he play in, and and, and how did well, he perform? Well, uh, he's left sided generally, although he did tend to drift around, uh, especially in the second half a bit. But um, left sided player, he's got a wicked left foot cross in him, which is which is what uh, came into the box to allow um, Nicky Ajoso to put the ball away. He, he, he must be praying for the the rest of the side to be able to do that because uh, I suspect those are the goals that uh, he likes scoring in or around the six yard box. Got there first, and uh, he linked up well with Chickson to be fair, and uh, to a lesser extent, Lennon on the left. So, you know, I think um, he certainly marked his card. Definitely one for the future. Uh, do you think you can read too much into this game? Obviously, it was, uh, there was a lot of changes in it. No, not really. I think um, it was a cold night. It was a night that uh, most people, if they're anything like me, real grief getting to. And I think, um, you know, all focus is on Saturday and, and the league rather than this distraction. <clears throat> I think everybody, players and management alike, will be just pleased that most players come through this uh, unscathed, you know yeah. And was there, did there seem to be too much heartache that Charlton have been knocked out of the competition? No, judging by the um, uh, the sarcasm from the crowd that were there, not at all, I suspect. <laughs> um, the funniest, I think, the, the, the highlight for me of the game, well, two highlights. One um, was uh, just as we were winning 1-0 and reasonably in control, uh, the crowd shouted, it's the first time I've ever heard it, um, Russell, Russell, what's the score? Uh, at which point he put one finger up, obviously. Uh, and within two seconds of him putting one finger up, Colchester had equalised. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so, I don't think he'll be doing that again in Harry. No, that's that's pretty bad luck. And I guess... Well, um, that, was, that was pretty amusing. And then, uh, of course, being joined by Nicky and Jose in the country bit. So yeah. I heard, I heard the, uh, I heard bits of that. I recorded it when I got home. And, uh, yeah, that, that must have been quite exciting. What was he like? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he was, uh, he was very relaxed. Uh, lovely comment with uh, as Joe Teixeira, uh, sorry, not Joe Teixeira, Teixeira uh, stepped up to take his uh, his penalty. Uh, he reckoned he was chocolate at it. So I'm sure <laughs> that means something to somebody, it just didn't mean anything to me. Yeah, it must have been good. Now, at the end at the end of it, uh, once um, Esri missed his penalty, um, Nicky seemed to say something along the lines of that, that he's, uh, he's done everyone a favour there. Was that just because it was too cold or because he wanted to get to get out of the competition? 
Well, I think um, I think you could read into that that it's just glad that, that the competition's over and done with and nobody has to worry about it anymore. But <clears throat> honestly, um, I think he was more talking about the fact that it was a cold night, uh, rain was being threatened, uh, and if um, if Ponza Esri would have uh, bagged his goal, then um, we'd have been there another twenty minutes, half hour. So <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think his comment was more to be more to do with the fact he just wanted to get home. Yeah, fair enough. And what, and what did Russell have to say after the game? He was fairly philosophical about it. I don't think um, I don't think you read too much into it. I don't think he was crestfallen that we're, we're not going to go through to the next round and he, he doesn't have to play any more midweek nightmares. Um, I, I've no idea what the check, where, where it goes from the next group, whether he play teams from all over the country. But it's bad enough having to go to Colchester. Can you imagine if you had to go to, uh, I don't know, Oldham or somewhere? Well, see, the, the Swansea under-21s have been drawn away to Norwich under-21s in this game. So oh, there we are. I think that's no, the highlight are. of the next tie. That's a 600-odd mile round trip. Uh, I'm sure both teams just can't wait for that. <laughs> well, Terry, uh, thanks for joining us on the phone. Thanks, I think, for, for from, on behalf of the Charlton fans, for going all that way and telling them how it went. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that you couldn't bring home the result that saw us through to the next round, and I'm sure you're devastated. <laughs> yeah. I was crestfallen, as you could probably tell in the commentary. Uh, never mind. Tell, cheers for that. I'll see you on uh, on, on uh, Saturday. Cheers, very thank you. So there we had it. Uh, Terry Smith there telling us how the, uh, the the game with Colchester United made uh, went. I don't know if you if you guys had a chance to listen to the commentary with Nicky Ajoso. The club put up the penalties on the um, as as Terry mentioned. There, the club the club had put up the, the penalties on the on the video. Um, I actually thought that was quite a nice touch from the club actually to get Nicky to, to to do the co-coms. I thought that would have been quite a good added bit of value. Um, but I, I did say there was a quote near the end there where after Esri missed his penalty, he basically said, "Well." He's uh, he's he's done a favour for everyone there. Now there's, there's two schools of thought about whether he was saying it's because he was cold and he just wanted to go inside, or whether he was quite happy to leave the competition. I think the fact he said it at all, whether he was cold or not, does mean that he probably wasn't that bothered about the competition. And as fans, I don't think we were bothered about it either, really. No, I don't think any of us were bothered. Um, the only positive out of the, the whole game would be the, you know that Joe got his chance, the Rebo got his chance, um, and you, you, you know, a couple of the other fringe players got some minutes. Um, Apart from that, um, it, uh, yeah, it's not really a, a stain on my uh, season. Uh, G- given given the rules that you have to have a certain amount of players, joke. yeah, from from your previous game involved, it, it does it, it it probably is considered a bit of an inconvenience if if you're looking at a squad that needs players resting at times, which I think ours is. Um, Russell Slade did say after the game, as you said, there, Nate, that you know it, it is at the same time a good chance to get some youngsters in. You know, Dylan Phillips has played his football in that competition so far this season, um, as we saw Aribo. Um, from that point of view, I guess it is a positive, but. I think the other thing that for me stood out mainly was just I mean how insulting it is to have to play another team's under twenty threes with your first mm. team. That was the, that was the main thing for me because that really felt like a real put down from the football league. We mentioned it last night as well um, that the the theory behind some of the things that this tournament or trophy has done are kind of sound. So the idea of having the under twenty three Premier League players playing against. Uh, full strength League 1 and League 2 sides is quite a sound idea from that point of view to develop English football the idea of uh, revamping the tournament I think to a certain extent might work but this I think they've said is only a trial and it certainly needs more developing because the format at the moment just doesn't work Um, and what they've got to to work on is how the League 1 and League 2 sides feel because whilst it's probably great for those under 23s it's of like you say not great for us and it's not fair that 
we're expected to play our first team, like you say, when we need rest and they're able to just play whoever they want. And if they can revamp that, there's no reason it can't actually be quite a useful tournament for English football as a whole. But I think f- uh, as a Charlton fan, it's it's no real use to us at the moment. And Russell Slade said in his interview after the game with Terry as well that he, he thinks it should be a straight knockout competition rather than the group stages. Do you think do you think he has a point there? Yeah, I think it's pointless having a <clears throat> it's like what happened yesterday, even if we won on penalties yesterday, we still probably went out would would have went out anyway. So what was the actual point of doing the penalty shoot yeah. anyway? So it was, it felt like it's like a friendly. You know, we've done it in our home friendly, we had a we had a knock kick about and then do penalty shoot at the end. Don't matter who's gonna win or not, do you know what I mean? But I think um I don't know who done it um was it Sheffield Wednesday or in Holloway or somewhere where they literally played three First team was in like sub Took them off straight off. Yeah, so. Sheffield Wednesday did it. There was a couple of teams in the week that substituted their goalkeeper after team minutes mm. just to get around the rules. And when, when you're seeing teams that are trying to go out of their way to get around the rules, I mean, maybe get rid of the you have to play six, yeah. six, you know, if it's the Football League trophy, let them play, you know, it could help to improve the English under 21s as well at our level. Mm. I mean, people talk about the Premier League under 21s needing mm. their improvements. As if they're, you know, they're not noticing that there's there's England under twenty ones who play in this division, mm. namely Adam Ola-Lookman. Yeah, you know, I mean, those players probably get their first team chances here. But if they are that little bit younger, if we if we get in the under eighteens playing, they maybe not quite had their first team chance yet. They might get a more competitive first team bit of action in this competition if we weren't forced to play six players. But well, if, the thing I don't understand this old the, the genius who made up the format of this competition. How does he know what you know how fit a squad is? If you have a small squad. So, We've not got the biggest squads, but if you go further down the leagues and look at, I don't know, the Colchesters of the world, they're not going to have they're going to have smaller squads. And if they've got little niggles here and there, but they've got to play three of their first teamers, it's not really fair on them. That's going to be a hindrance to their league form, which yeah. which is their bread and butter. So again, it's just an absolute. I mean, obviously that that rule has has been in place for a while. That's yeah. not just this season. No, but that, exactly. is, that is one of the things that has puzzled me. I mean, Luton Town. I remember early on in the season change, made 11 changes and quite happily took the fine and they still beat West Bromwich Albion under 21 <laughs> so it just shows it's a, a bit of a farce really do you think do you think there will be changes before next year then? I think there has to be yeah you, you look at the backlash you look at the attendances this season everything shows that no one's got enough interest in it as I say some of the ideas are sound and I think with tweaking it could be made into quite a good tournament but even then you come back to what was wrong with it as it was again as we said last night when you get relegated from the championship you haven't got much to look forward to and you've got that one chance that you think well there's an extra chance of getting to Wembley and even that's been taken away and instead you're going to get I don't know Middlesbrough versus Southampton under 23s at Wembley like that's not good really for anybody so mm-hmm. yeah oh, I it would, needs changes I would personally love to see that this season though, yeah. just to make a fast yeah. the whole thing in front of 100 yeah. people Yeah, right uh, let's have a quick break we're going to come back in a, a few moments here on Charlton Live on the big match preview uh, we're going to look back at last night the uh, our TV stars uh, appearance on the fan TV From the home of time, this is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. 
they got that deep, they all needed snorkels. Charlton Live. So welcome back to Charlton Live. Here's a big match preview on Maritime Radio. Going to look ahead later on in the show to the game uh, on Saturday, the Sky TV game, midday kickoff. Don't forget, uh, with Swindon Town down at the county ground. Uh, our connection with Swindon this evening is Paolo Di Canio. So if you want to get your memories on uh, the uh, the Italian striker we had back in the day, back in the good old days, uh, you can email studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at Charlton Live. <coughs> Excuse me, let us know what your favourite memories of uh, of Paolo Di Canio are. Oh, now, a few weeks ago, uh, we received a direct message on the Charlton Live Twitter account asking uh, if we would fancy putting forward some uh, some people uh, some Charlton Live correspondence uh, to go on uh, a TV show called Fan TV uh, UK. Now, uh, you two put yourselves forward, you fancied it, and uh, you, you went there last night and you were on the national TV. What did that feel like? I don't know, it was a bit surreal at the time. I mean, but then um, we, you know, we've, we've spoke to him since and said, you know, the way they, um, they sort of researched the whole situation where we're at at the moment just made it a lot, a lot more easier for us, really, and a lot more comfortable because... Because obviously we we're sitting here, we sort of know what we have a sort of script or whatever. But there we went in cold. We met Toby at the beginning. He sort of came on and said that we, they're going to sort of launch pigs at us. But um, yeah, he sort of said, you know, just enjoy yourself and just treat it like you are in a pub having a couple of beers with your mates. And, and that's what it was. You know, we met Google met the Wolves fan, QPR, and Swansea and Arsenal and whatever else there was. But um, yeah, no, it was good. Um, it was it was good. It was another platform. Yeah, I mean that was the thing. I mean, you, I, yeah. I think, as, as you said, they were they they seemed really well researched on the Charlton mm. situation, which I was I was impressed with actually. Because some sometimes when you, when you see fans going onto that sort of thing mm. or speaking to some people, you, you you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that. But I thought they they did really well. They they seemed to know pretty much everything that had gone on there. And, and as you say, it gave you to uh, another platform to, to, to talk about the uh, situation at the club at the moment. Mm. I think <clears throat> from my point of view, that was the main reason for going on was was that platform and. You know, I don't. It's not you know Sky Sports One. I don't know how many people watch it, but it's another chance to get that story out there. And the level of research that they've done really helped that. Because if we just go on and spend ten minutes dictating the conversation and moaning, that's very different. But when you've got a presenter there who's you know neutral, he's a massive Liverpool fan, and he's there and he's dictating the conversation, he's making the points, and we're just responding. That really helps. And we've seen the likes of Football Weekly and the Football Ramble podcast kind of talk about it in, in fairly good depth, and I think they're fairly clued up. But as I was saying to you earlier, if, if they go to the Sky Sports, you know, Soccer Saturday studio and Jeff Stelling and Paul Merson are there talking about the protest as it happens, they'll be talking about what happens, but they won't really have that time or that sort of stage to, to discuss it in detail and the issues surrounding the club. And this was a perfect opportunity to do that. And I, I hope we we did it justice. Yeah, really. yeah and we'll, we'll hear some highlights from your appearance on the show in a minute. And, and they gave you a good long time slot, 45 yeah. minutes. I, mean, I know they did put you off by throwing pigs at you, yeah. but I guess that's... You know, that, that's just a taste of your own medicine, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way. But, um, yeah, they, they seem cleared up. And, and you did indeed leave my pick that I lent you and told you to bring back yeah. in the studio. Yeah, but they have, <laughs> they did say they're going to send it back. And they, <laughs> Toby did say as we were leaving, didn't he? He said he's going to, he'll try and get us on before the end of the year's up just to sort of catch up and see where we sort of have things have changed, if they have, hopefully, by then. Um, but, yeah, no, it was good. It was, it was really good and... Yeah, it was a good experience, and um, hopefully we won't have to get to that stage of going back in this same situation. We can mm-hmm. go there for other reasons. Now, one disappointment uh, from, from last night that, that I have, and um, uh, and I think mo- most fans will probably share it with me, is the fact that you guys really got doled up for it last night, whereas when you come on to Channel Live, you look like a pair of slobs. Uh, I mean, there was, hair, there, there was a nice bit of hair gel in there, you know. 
uh, yeah, it's Martin. Don't wear, well, you wore your retro chunky shirt. You don't yeah. make that sort of effort for me, do you? No, no, I well, don't. I didn't know that's the way you wanted us to dress. <laughs> it. I didn't know it was this sort of show, mate. But <laughs> next time, let us know your dress attire that you wish, and then uh, I'm sure me and Tom, as long as there's nothing. Uh, what's the word? I don't know what you're Kinky about to or say. Oh, <laughs> we're not getting into that protest no. idea you had last season with yeah. the gym costumes. Oh, yeah, that was right at the beginning of my time. What, yeah. what I will say is that seeing it back, I was surprised at how shiny my hair looked as well because I had look no idea. Shiny. It definitely didn't look like that before I went under that light. So. It was that real cream, real cream, blatantly. Yeah. That entire tub. Yeah, right. I think we we should have a listen back to your highlights, uh, and then we can come back and talk a little bit more because I am interested to. Uh, to know what it was like behind the scenes as well. Uh, you two went on to the Fan TV UK. It's on Sky Channel Two One Two, Freeview Channel Two Five Four. If you ever, got, if you guys ever want to watch the show again, uh, it's on right now. So don't change over because you're listening to Channel Life. But um, <laughs> if uh, and they're not talking about Channel anyway. But um, if you ever want to again, and also we'll tweet out the link uh, later when we find it of um, of Tom and Nathan's appearance on the show last night because we've got a YouTube link to that so you can watch it after listening to Channel Life, the Big Match Preview. Right, these are the highlights of uh, yesterday's appearance by two Charlton Live team members, Tom and Nathan, on uh, Fan TV UK. First, bring out my first guest, Nathan and Tom. Come on, Nathan and Tom. Here we go, Jack. We heard the pig in. Uh, we'll talk about the pigs in uh, in, uh, in due course. Uh, lost in the Checker Trade Trophy. 4-3 oh. on Pens versus Colchester. You looked out now. Actually, you looked devastated. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame, <laughs> Where we are at the moment, we're sort of Jekyll and Hyde, don't we? Yeah, it's so. amazing to be seen. I think yeah. we're all hoping we can because obviously we'll go and talk about the protests, but if we get a big team at home, that's a chance to oh, yeah. maybe get it on telly and, and really ramp those protests up. So yeah, um, that's really what we're hoping. Um, I'm going to start throwing things at you now. I think, obviously, cards, or maybe not obviously for people who aren't Charlton fans, but cards set themselves up a couple of years ago to start, or last year, I think, start protesting. And they've been really organised, they've been brilliant, their PR's been amazing. It worked really well, and commentary fans were brilliant, and yeah, really, really good day. Handing them out, police were taking them, stewards were taking them, and then we try and get them in through little horses and crevices in your body. <laughs> There's the first pig thrown me. Do you feel like the fans actually was impacting the team? Uh, I don't, no, I don't think so. Because I mean, last year we we uh, we protested against Middlesbrough, and they were top and flying, and then we ended up beating them at home. Things like, you know, every appointment's been correct. Even though when Roland took over, we had Chris Powell, finished 8th or ninth in the championship. And they've seen that we've progressed, even though we're now languishing in the bottom half of League One. The attendances have gone down, what, down to 7,000 or something? Seems to yeah, 40%. 40% seems to um, And that, I just think they have no clue on how to run a football club. I don't know if it was a fans meeting or something about a month ago. That was the first time we'd seen him in ages because he hadn't been to a game since October 2014, I think. Yeah. And he came out in that and said, oh, I'm not here more often because you only represent 1.5% of my business empire. And it's like, well, why are you here then? If that's all it is to you, yeah. like, people here put their heart and soul into the yeah. club. You know, Catrion was at the Web Summit um, in Dublin and said, you know, we were just customers, basically. And it wasn't... And we sort of know we are customers, we're paying customers, but we, it's more than just the business, it's a, it's a club that we all sort of pay into. And going back to when we've nearly lost the football club and a load of people put their own time and money into getting back to the Valley. It literally just I'd rather have and go. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we literally turned up at the training ground in the, with your suitcase and Powell's like, you alright mate? And it's just like, yeah, I'm playing for you, I'm in goal. And Powell's just like, what the hell is going on here? I'm beaten in four. Um, were there signs of an upturn there? Uh, winning the FA Cup as well. Yeah, I mean, in recent weeks, I mean, before um, we were playing one up top, weren't we? And we were playing um, five, five midfield. But our central midfield isn't blessed with 
a you know youth or post. So we're yeah. missing Lookman, McGuinness, and Bataka. But because we're on telly, you have to play it. So yeah. Oh really? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Cool. I'm thinking of the fans again. The whole Twitter page dedicated yeah. to him. Go and give that a follow. Yeah. Roman times good. Hopefully things have a bit of an upward trajectory. From so, 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 yeah. Cheers, yeah. guys. Cheers, Thanks. <laughs> Great work from you two guys there on the show, and, and great work from the, what's, what's his name, Toby, Toby Tarrant. Toby yeah. Tarrant, Chris yeah. Tarrant's son, yeah. Who is he? Yeah, it's oh, Chris Tarrant's son, yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. He's, uh, I was looking at his profile as well, he's like a DJ for... <coughs> Radio X or something. Radio yeah. X, yeah, well there you go. Yeah. Exciting, and, and like we said, he did seem pretty clued up, we thought he'd, he'd, he'd done his research pretty mm. well. Um, what was he like off, off, off screen, was he a nice fella? One of us, he's just a normal fella, likes banter, likes joking around mucking around and um throwing pigs at people throwing, yeah mm. it's, it's just literally I know it sounds everyone's going to think oh yeah what it's literally like one of us but he, you're just, you've just got loads of cameras and lights and yeah. god knows what else around you like, it's just the same really but yeah he was good as gold all of them were to be fair yeah. even the production team were, yeah. were mm. great obviously they found the, the pig stuff pretty funny yeah. uh, and like I said with the, you, you took a pig and you left it on the table and, and you were chucking pig they were chucking what little Percy pig sweets yeah. at you um, I guess that goes to show how well how the how much the Charlton protests have been picked up by people, and they still mm. they can still remember the pig ones, can't they? Yeah, and I, we like we've said that I think pretty much since they did it. You know, the stress balls and the beach balls they got picked up, you know, briefly and were talked about. But I think even the the club's tweet about pigs on the pitch was picked up everywhere, and it it just captured imagination across across the country. And because of that, obviously, it's given more kudos to the the protests and card and everything and and that's why it was so successful yeah so we've just taught you the link out from uh from uh, the Charlton Live account you can go back and watch uh, Tom and Nathan on Fan TV UK via YouTube uh, it's probably worth a watch I'll, say, I'll, I'll just cut out three minutes or so worth of stuff there plenty more to go on right when we come back from this little break it's been a year since the first big mass protest I know that the, the Spell It Out in Black and White campaign had sort of started in earnest a couple of weeks before with some skulls being handed out but there was a big mass protest against Sheffield Wednesday it's been an entire year since then during the week uh, so I thought I'd trawl back through our old interviews with uh, people organising the protesters and with uh, protesters themselves to uh, to see what it's uh, how the how the year has progressed. So we'll, we'll come back and we'll listen to that here on the Channel One Live. He's gone for it, you know. Oh, what a goal! Oh, what a goal by Armakashi! Oh, that's almost at the halfway line. Unbelievable strike. That is outrageous. Right-footed. Well, he saw Armak off his line. What a goal! From the home of time, time, this is Maritime Radio. Let's not make Charlton now into a team uh, who's going everywhere and must win and must be better than uh, the home side. Charlton Live. I disagree, Carol. I think we should. Uh, right, it's uh, one of the reasons we're protesting. <laughs> they were protesting actually was uh, was that man just there. Uh, as I said, the Sheffield Wednesday game, which was actually Carol's first win uh, in charge of the Addicts, was just over a year ago now. I'm trying to think exactly. I think it was Monday or Tuesday when the um, 
uh, anniversary actually was uh, since the first proper big protest we saw mm. here at the Valley. Um, I guess when, you, when, when the protest started a year ago, Tom, did you think they'd go on this long? Uh no, I don't think I did. I don't know what I expected would have happened by now because I don't think realistically I thought they would have left. But I maybe don't think things would have got as bad as they are now. Um, I think I certainly didn't expect us to go down, although I could see we were going to struggle last year. Um, and I didn't think that the atmosphere between us and them would have turned quite as poisonous as it has now. Um, but credit to everyone that has because we haven't dropped off and the protests like we've just said with, with the pig protests not that long ago are still just as resonant as they were at the start and still having the same positive impact on the team it seems because <laughs> we keep winning games whenever we protest yeah the um uh it's, it's probably easy to forget actually that when the, the spelling out and black and white campaign which really seemed to be the thing that kicked off the the protest oh, let, let them get a couple of Februarys ago actually we had that meeting in the Woolwich town hall uh where people were asking questions but then you know results turned around after that and whereas you know a lot the, the most hardcore were are not about results especially at that time i think the majority of fans and i, I don't think it is fair to say if we're playing well and winning games they don't really care too much about what's going on elsewhere and that's why I think it died down there was it wasn't really much appetite for a protest movement when things started going it wrong again last season and it would appear that similar mistakes had been made to the the season we had before where we had a difficult uh, time in you know in around the Christmas January time um it, it felt like it, those things were happening again and people decided and and at the very start all they wanted was a bit of communication to try and work out what was going on it's, it seems quite easy to forget that that was all they all they were asking for a year ago yeah i mean, so, I mean when it when you said when it when it first happened um i envisaged it was gonna you know happen for you know a little bit of time but i i thought we was going to improve on the pitch and then it would just sort of fade away and mm. then you'd have the grumblings of i'll just you know, get out like the sort of Leeds sort of predicament at the moment they're doing well at the moment but they still want him out but I think the protest has died down so I think that's probably where I'm surprised like you said Tom I don't think we would have gone down but maybe there's naivety or um, what not I don't know but yeah I mean it's it's, it's natural that if you're doing well you, like you said it's, it is going to die down but yeah we just have to see how it goes I suppose I don't really know but yeah the the, uh, the way the the protests have continued throughout the year mm. suggests that I mean, even though you said may, may, maybe has died down a bit, yeah. uh, there is there is still that appetite for it here, and there are still those hardcore. There is still card um, card have been announcing stuff throughout this week. Really, they, they seem to be doing some sort of countdown to something, don't they? Uh, announcing because it's Roland's birthday on mm. Sunday, is it Saturday Sunday? Can't say I've made a note of the date. <laughs> <laughs> Soon, anyway. Yeah. I think they're, they're arranging a birthday cake or something. Yeah, they've been arranging <laughs> birthday gifts. I think so far what we've seen a scarf, we've seen a, a map of the local area, a ticket, a to ticket the, to the game, yeah, ticket to the game, DVD that sort of stuff. Yeah, DVD of, of our history was it? Uh, all of the protests i think oh, wasn't it a collection of the protests i, oh, I could have sent them my little montage on it <laughs> um, so clearly clearly they're building up to something and we will um uh we will try and find out what that is over the weekend mm. um but yeah they, they they certainly haven't gone away have they no and i think it'll be very interesting to see because it's been it's been fairly easy to make the decision at the end of august that we were going to pick the protest back up again because the team hadn't been performing anyway It'd be very interesting if we're in the top six towards you know march april time next year if the protests still continue um i think obviously from a principle of most people you would still want them to because you know like you said louis i don't think those fans are really really care whether we're winning games or not that's not what's important we we just want them gone um but if you're in the that top six places you know 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now, do you want to be disrupting games? Although we've seen it has a positive influence now. You know, you don't want fans turning on you because you're protesting and suddenly we start losing and dropping out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens depending on how, how performances go because we have picked up a little bit of late. But as you say, they don't look like stopping at the moment and it sounds like they've got something planned for either I'm next week. I, guess. I might have got my timings wrong, but, but we started off crap, right? Yeah. Ever since we started our protesting... We've got better. Been on, like, <laughs> is that my time? Is always that? That's, well, no, that's pretty. I mean, we, we see, had I a, can see the correlation. Yeah, we had we had a good early win against uh, Shrewsbury, which before, oh, yeah. before there was any protest. But then after that, uh, we had our traditional end of season slump. Uh, which these days <laughs> gets September gets earlier and earlier these days, isn't it? I was going to say at least with Curbs, we were like seventh in the Premier League when that started. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, we've we turned it back on since uh, something we're unbeaten in five now, and we're not counting the Colchester game for anything. No. Uh, unless you're trying to talk about the confidence that Nicky Ajota would have got from Scorn. But yeah, we're, we're, on, we're on it, we're on there. Anyway. Right, so let's let's listen back. It's been an audio walkthrough of what's happened over the last year here at the Valley. Starts off with uh, talking to Joe Reid from what was then the black and white campaign. You can hear it progress. And you can also hear one of the main turning points midway through, which was some quotes from Katrine, and how it sort of progressed into full-blown uh, on-the-pitch uh, protest. This is a, a, a look back at a year of protest here at the Valley. Way more than show back! Joe Reed, uh, you're, you're behind uh, the, the spell it out in black and white Twitter account. I think the campaign has to remember that we're coming up against a, a, a businessman, and I suppose we have to have achievable goals. So things like making the fan base feel a little bit more worthy with things like replying to their replying to their email. We, we have a history at this club of um, we're fighting fighting for the right of the club, and. Um, for that to just be ignored, uh, I don't really think it's acceptable. And now I'm standing here ready to hand out a few thousand leaflets. Yeah. I suppose the reason why it needed to start was because it's the same mistakes again and again and again. I mean, you could ask, you know, why, why now? Um, but I suppose there's only so much you can take of just sort of giving the benefit of the doubt that things can change before you, you know, you have to take action into your own hands, and that's what I'm, we're hoping to do now. Rick Everett, the, the voice of the Valley Editor, um, and sort of one, one of the, uh, the men behind today's protest. Uh, what, what are the motives for today's protest? I think we've got to a point where we need to demonstrate to the club and to the media and the wider football world the scale of the revolt at Charlton and that people are no longer going to put up with what's been going on here in the last two years. The protests over the last few weeks, obviously you've been tied in with the, the Spelly Out and Black and White campaign as well, which started off as a, a request for more dialogue, but over the last couple of weeks it seems to have turned of we want the owners out, basically. 
I think it's clear that dialogue with the current chief executive, um, he can't have dialogue with the owner because he's not available, but certainly dialogue with the current chief executive and board is not going to be effective. Um, they've set up a sham target 20,000 committee. They've got a, a view of how the club should be run. Um, they're not prepared to staff it properly. They're not prepared to put a, a good enough team on the pitch. They're not prepared to put a manager who's credible in the dugout. Um, I don't see what there is to talk to them about anymore. Um, I think if we do get relegated, there'll be so few people here that it will be almost impossible for them to carry on. The problem is, at the stage that we've been relegated, it's going to be much less attractive for someone to come in and take it over. Now, Card, the coalition against Roland du Châtelet, I mean, what, what's, what's the purpose that, that Card are trying to achieve? We kind of felt like a united front uh, where we all pulled in the same direction and all could bring the expertise we have in different areas so, um, together. So that was kind of how that came about. Uh, what, what's the thinking behind the, the sort of flash protest? If we announce that in advance, then the caterers can get in less stock and the club can print less programmes. So we thought we'd announce it at 12 and it gave us an idea to actually just run with that and do that at every home game. Yeah, I mean, there was a quote from Rick Everett about making the club unmanageable and that's, I guess, what, what you're trying to achieve in this sort of vein. Yeah, 100%. I mean, making it impossible to run on a day-to-day -day basis you know I mean it's nothing illegal we haven't done anything wrong but it's still made it's made the jobs difficult of the people here so you know that is that is the main aim really uh, fans don't see themselves as customers uh, and so whenever I now get very friendly emails from fans they say get out of our club so it's not the, the shareholders club um, I think um, but they, they go to their restaurants with their family every week and they go to the cinema, but if they're not satisfied with the, with the product, will they go and scream to the people in charge of it? No, they don't, but they do it with a football club and that's very weird because they feel a sense of ownership. Obviously the current uh, regime's not working. Um, you can tell by the amount of people here today, there's well, at least five, six hundred people here today. No transparency. Um, everybody's very concerned, and rightly so. You know, this is a great club. This is a fantastic club, and uh, you know, everyone's just seeing it go to pot, and everyone's sick and tired of it. We ain't customers. We're the backbone of this. Of any of fans are the backbone of any club. Joined outside the valley now, just after the, the mock funeral procession by Ben Hayes from, from Spell It Out in Black and White campaign. That was a really powerful show of emotion from the Trump fans, wasn't it? It went really well. I looked behind me at one point and there seemed to be thousands of people following us up Floyd Road. It, it, it illustrates the, the decline of the club and the, the death of the club, that is, which is imminent under this ownership. Unless we get a change, things aren't going to get any better. The club is slowly dying. It's being mismanaged. It's being misrun. Uh, and there's no future for the club uh, the way it's been, been handled at the moment. And today also a, a new step for the spell out and for Card, uh, disrupting the games. It sounds like there's a few things in, in motion to try and actually disrupt the game. That's, that's, that's a big step again. It's a very big step and it's not something that any of us wanted to take. We would much rather be supporting the team and cheering them on to a victory and sign up. But it's, it's reached a point now where that's so unrealistic and we have to use the TV presence uh, and disrupt it. We don't want to stop the game, we just want to disrupt it and make our point. Uh, otherwise, no, we'll, you know, we hope the team win. But will, will we? Uh, there'll be whistles, there'll be beach balls. Card this week uh, advising fans to, to not buy season tickets. That's, that's quite a big step, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's not a surprise. Uh, one comes as a surprise to many fans that that's our view. And obviously it's up to individuals to make their own decision. But I think that's the biggest statement that fans can make to the club at this stage. 
we're just not going to get this club back on track with these people in charge. They've got to go, and whatever we need to do to get them out, I'm afraid we're going to have to do. And, and even if we did stay up, we're not going to resolve the problem of the way that Roland du Chasselet wants to run the club, which isn't about a successful team, which isn't about the things that we expect of a football club in England and in the English League, and it's just no good for Charlton supporters. Uh, one of the most successful protests we saw at the last game, of course, were the beach balls, and today you've got something similar lined up. Yeah, we have, but uh, you know, we think that the, the, cl- the crowd are getting a little bit stressed uh, about the situation. Uh, the club seems to be getting very stressed, judging from the statements that are coming out from it. So we're going to try and relieve some of the pressure, and we've got some uh, black and white stress balls uh, that we'll be inviting people to share <laughs> with the playing staff. So I'm joined now outside the West Stand, still during the sitting protest by Richard Pemberton of Card. Hey, it's been a, a very large protest and uh, very effective. We've managed to block both the gates and uh, stop an awful lot of cars coming in. And uh, I think most importantly, we've taken the club unawares, who've set up for a big protest inside the ground, and we've taken it out uh, ahead of the game and uh, caused massive disruption for them, which is exactly what we're aiming to do. Joining me here at the beginning of the march, I have Charlton fan Heather and the Coventry fan Steve. Uh, Steve, I'll start with you. Uh, what message are you hoping that uh, this Fans United protest will send to the owners of both clubs today? Well, I think as supporters, we're very um, keen on keeping everybody together. I think the fact that it's a joint and it's a coalition of two lots of supporters who are in a bad place and keeping it to, together as a group. Um, whether it will ever solve any problems, we don't know, but I just think that people should see that they're not all fans of the people that you see on the street. We just want to go and support our team, but we want to support a team that's got a future and that's got some investment and people who actually genuinely care about their clubs. However, the, the coalition against Roland du Chatelet have been involved in some fairly innovative uh, protests last season. Why have they decided to sort of start things again this season? Well, the club has been saying that they've learned from their mistakes and the evidence is that they've done none of that. Lovely ball into the part of Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the middle again, eh? And there's a goal! Charlton have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out to Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the part of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide ball ball across the penalty area, picked out Vettikaili, who buried his chance, and Charlton a 2-1 up. Charlton Live. From the home of time. time, This is Maritime Radio, Greenwich. Carol, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. This is the big match preview. That was us uh, looking back at a year's worth of um, protests. I guess it's it's interesting, really, when you you listen back to it, to see how how much... Has gone on. You, you forget almost sometimes how, how many different things have, have happened. Really. Yeah, I was about to say that. I'd forgotten the sit down in the car park protest for one. Um, but yeah, it's it has been. It's been really impressive. And in a time where there's a lot to be ashamed of, I think uh, with things that have gone on at the club, we we can still be proud of what what fans have done because um, 
fans, you know, saved this club once and, and dragged us back to our to our home. Uh, and here we are again, you know, refusing to sit down and be taken for granted and standing up for the club. And I think that's to be admired. I think it has been admired across the national press. And you know, we're not we're not done yet. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep fighting, and we're going to get the club back. And I think that what is it? Do you say a year of protest? It's yeah, been that yeah. just shows exactly how how long we've been going, and and we've still got a long way to go. But I don't think we're going to give up just yet. And it's a trend that we're seeing across football now quite a lot. There's Charlton are certainly not the only team that's. Um, that's involved in protests such such as this one. Um, I think whereas Charlton probably weren't the first, you know, Blackpool fans were protesting long before, but there are certain, you know, lots of teams that are now, in fact, perhaps joining in. You see Black uh, Blackburn recently have started protesting. The Coventry fans are fighting, and you know, they've had problems for longer than us, but they they, they finally managed to get organised and, and, and start protesting as well. It's a, it's a trend that's catching on in English football. And I guess Cards probably had a lot to, to to do with that because they've done so well. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the statements and the the way that Card have gone about it, you know, other, other teams have probably taken note and the likes of Coventry are doing their own thing now and Leeds are doing their own thing and we was on the show yesterday and there was that whole fan that Skyped in and they've just had a takeover from some foreigners but they're still, they're still grumblings of, you know, unrest there and, and like you say, it's, it, it just seems to be, the, it's starting to become the norm which is quite worrying because it shouldn't be. I mean, you go back 10, 10 years ago or so, there wasn't, 10, 15 years ago, it wasn't here. And everyone, it was just a lot nicer place to be. Not even just at Charlton, just in football in general. So, but you know, money talks, and well, not in our case, obviously. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just a sad state of affairs, really. Do you think the protests at this club, or if we're being honest, at any club, will eventually get what they want? Will they achieve what they want to achieve? Yeah, I've said it before that I think, you know, for example, the, the pigs on the pitch. When Roland wakes up the next day, he's going to be a bit annoyed that the game might have got delayed, but it's, he's not going to lose any sleep over it, really. But over time those sort of things do work because they do grate on people they do get more and more press and you have to believe they work because if you didn't you wouldn't bother doing them and the whole fan last night was saying that the clubs have got the monopoly on fans because they know there's going to be a core group of fans that just aren't going to go so they can basically dictate what happens they can charge what they want they can do what they want with the club and there's still going to be people that come and that's every fan's right to do that you know I'm one of those Charlton fans I can't I've still got a season ticket I can't imagine not coming on a Saturday however difficult it is to come and that's where that that back at that Dublin conference where that customers comment was so naive because we're not like that it's a club you're a fan it's it's a completely different thing and if you've got that belief you have to believe that those protests will make a difference because you want your club back and we want to be able to come down to the valley and enjoy watching football and Black, uh, Blackburn, Blackpool, Leeds, Coventry all those fans want the same as well and you just got to hope at some point it's going to come to a head because as you say it's happening more and more there's more and more foreign owners, there's more and more protests at some point something's got to give someone's got to step in and do something and you just got to hope it's sooner rather than later really Excellent stuff, right, let's, uh, let's reminisce let's uh, reminisce about how things were back in the day, uh, every week we do a Charlton connection between the team we're, between the addicts and the team that we're due to play on the Saturday this week, Swindon Town we were I'm on an iron about a couple of players, I mean Paul Benson was mentioned, I, I liked Benno I like Benno, uh, but um, yeah uh, then I remembered, uh, we're, we're ter- we are terrible at picking these, but then I remembered that we'd had uh, uh, a player for us, but a manager for Swindon Town was one of our uh, all-time greats, really. He's a cult hero, despite the fact he was only here for one season. Paolo mm. Di Canio, 2003-2004 season, 31 appearances, four goals, according to Wikipedia, so he probably had more than that. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, it was, a, it was a, a fascinating signing at the time, and for that one year, we had a player of real class uh, on, on the field <laughs> uh, playing for us, didn't we? 
Yeah, he was a he was a maverick, wasn't he? He was one of those. Um, when we signed him, I was surprised we signed him because it wasn't really a. Well, in my opinion, it wasn't a Charlton signing just to say there was sort of baggage he had and that sort of, you know, and it was that something different which we knew we was going to get a player on the pitch but also someone off the pitch who a lot of kids would, would look up to. Having someone like Paolo Di Canio um, at Charlton, it was just like, it was amazing. It was the, and, and it was great to have him around and just the way, you know, sometimes his passion gets um, in the way of certain things as is well documented in the press. But... <laughs> I mean, him as a player, and you know, it was amazing. And there's, there's obviously so we had quite a few people tweeting and all the sort of memories and stuff. But yeah, only sort of good memories for me mm. on my side. Anyway. Yeah, just in terms of playing, I remember. He, I think he finally made his debut away at Wolves in the mm. in the four 0 win we had uh, early on in early on in that season. Um, uh, I think his first goal may well have been a, a header against Luton. I think, and he, he scored that chip penalty against Arsenal, which everyone remember. My favourite. Decanio moment. I feel like I've mentioned this on the show recently. We must have been talking about something related to that. Was when uh, he had a, a, a chipped uh, effort against Portsmouth, a game that we ended up winning two one away from home. He had a chipped effort, which the goalkeeper, I think Shaka Hislop, just tipped over. But they ended up from the corner. I think uh, he put it onto Sean Bartlett's head, and we scored a winner late on, having turned it around like in the last ten minutes or so. Uh, well, what would you remember about the the Italian? Uh, my probably most recent memory is that celebration against uh, Newcastle in the derby so it got nothing to do with Charlton but <laughs> that shows his passion but I think what I remember really is not one specific standout moment but a bit like Klaus Jensen he just had that that touch of class that you know we don't see an awful lot down here and one of those things that maybe you don't even notice when you watch games on TV but when you see him live his that extra little bit he's got is really difficult to explain but he has to take that half a second less to do anything and he's able to do it that little, little bit better. He seems and to have so much more time on the yeah, ball than it seems effortless. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just, it was so nice to have a player down here and watch him do that because, like I say, you know, we're not, we're not a massive club so we don't very often get those sort of stars down here and like Nave said, to have a big name like that, you know, we bring players in sometimes but very rarely do we bring in someone as established as, as a Di Canio and, mm. But yeah, it was just great to have have him at the club. Yeah, certainly had his uh, he certainly had his controversies off the field. Obviously, remember he pushed over the referee when he was playing for Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. Uh, I don't think it's that controversial. I, I actively encourage it. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Yeah. Still, feel that referee went down a bit easy. <laughs> yeah, he and he booked. staggered as well. So yeah. I was like, I don't know, mate. That's a yellow card for diving. Should have yeah, should have booked himself for that one. Uh, Durkin, I think his name was. I remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he got involved. He, He's been linked with all sorts of things after, so um, we talk about political situations there. But um, I'm, I'm sure you had a few tweets in Nathan yeah. of, of when he was here as a player. Yeah, we had uh, we had uh, G Winder sent a video around, uh, so I've just retweeted it. Um, just obviously about obviously Paolo uh, Hugo Riley said it has to be that penalty against Arsenal again, and the occasional outrage, outrageous bit of skill. Uh, Paddy, I assume his name's Patrick. He says uh, he was ap- he apologised to Charlton fans for missing a penalty at, at City of Manchester despite scoring the rebound <laughs> uh, CAFC facts and stats says no King Arthur Horsfield proper centre forward Matt Rand says diving in the last minute at Leicester and then scoring the pen making the triple worth it <laughs> Mickey Adams was fuming yeah I remember that I remember that goal particularly I didn't go to the game but he went round, He went down really easily later on in the game at Leicester we ended up nicking a draw one all I think, uh, I th- also I think I read somewhere that all f- I think he scored five goals or something and all of them ended in draws in 90 minutes Something yeah, like that. yeah in fact, we were thinking about it. Arsenal did that Man City game was a one all, mm. the Leicester game was a one all. He scored against Luton, which was three all or four all after extra time. Yeah. Uh, must have been one more, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, well, there you go. There. that's a good there. stat then. So, well, so he's, he's gained this cult status despite never having actually done anything to win. And there was another <laughs> one as well, was it only he's, he scored 
you know, scored one in open play or something like that. I don't know. We said it the other week. I can't yeah. remember what it was. It was, was, it? was that header, header against Luton. Yeah, Jamal Campbell Rice. Yeah, that's, that's the only it. guy to yeah. set him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Or something well, like there that, you but. go. What a great stat that is for Jamal Campbell Rice. <laughs> right, it's time. To, it's time to look ahead. It's probably the only good stat he's got. It's time to look ahead to the game with uh, Swindon Town on Saturday. It's a Sky TV game. If you're heading down there, don't forget you've got to be there for it. It's a midday kickoff down in Wiltshire. Yeah, we're getting up early if we're going. You two going? Uh, no, I'm booking the. Uh, I'm booking Stag Day on uh, Saturday, yeah. so I'll be watching it with uh, with Bill and my Spurs mate. But um, yeah, yeah, so Spurs mate, have a laugh. Tom, Tom, you'll be fine. You'll be in the pub. You got? Uh, no, it's my dad's birthday tomorrow, so I'm going home. But yeah. I'll uh, I'll be watching on telly Excellent for sure. Stuff. Well, those of you uh, who are looking forward to that game as well, if you're going in person, if you're going to watch it on TV, uh, I think you'll be interested to know what the team news is. So Tony Hudd was also interested from BBC Radio Kent. He went to Sparrows Lane. Uh, today to catch up with Russell Slade and find out how the Addicts are looking ahead of that game with Swindon Town. Talking to chart manager Russell Slade ahead of Saturday's match at Swindon. Russell, excluding Tuesday's Trekker Trade Trophy penalty shootout defeat at Colchester, chart were unbeaten in five, including three wins. You said a week ago that you detected seeds of momentum developing. Does your recent record underline that? Yeah, I think so. I think that certainly backs it up in terms of results. And in terms of the performances in, in general, uh, have slowly started to come together. But we, you know, we we got to maintain it. That's the trick: is reproducing and reproducing those performances to, and, and to continue to improve so we can uh, climb the table. You've also emphasised the squad's developing mental strength. Yeah, definitely, because it, it, it's a it's a tough old league. Well, most of the leagues are, but um, so, sometimes. You know, t- learning to win a game one nil um, is is important, and to see games out, to manage games properly, um, is is uh, is a big part of being successful. Nicky Josie makes his first return to Swindon since leaving them to join Charlton. I bet he's desperate to start on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so too. But it's um, it, it it it's always. Um, it's always nice, in a way, for, for a player to go back to his old club um, when he's moved on. Um, and I don't know any player that doesn't want to do well against his old club either. Uh, as good a time as Nicky had there or anybody's had at the pre- their previous club. So you want to go back and you, you want to put in a performance. Can you say whether he'll start? Um, he has a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Russell, because of international call-ups, Charlton be without Josh McGuinness, Jordan Bataka, Adimola Lookman at Swindon. Would you have preferred a free weekend? Well, look, you don't want... It's, it's a dilemma, really, because you don't want games stacking up. Um, but at the same time, you, you want to go in with the best possible chance of winning a football match as well. So um, it's a bit of a catch-22, really. But it is disappointing that those players are unavailable to us, but it, that is what it is. and um, The game will go ahead because it's a Sky game. Um, so, you know, we will have to call upon other players to come in and uh, ensure that, you know, we get performances out of them because it's a very important game for us and three important points at stake. And on top of those absentees, uh, Ricky Holmes, I imagine, is a big doubt with that foot injury. Has he got a chance? Yeah, he's still he's still a doubt. It's um, it's all the bruising there now. Obviously, he's had um, stitches in the in the foot, um, so it's still fairly sore. So, 
you know, we take each day as it comes with that. Better than 50-50? Um, probably is about that, really. Yeah, you got that out of me. That's all you're getting. <laughs> uh, any okay. other injury worries? Um, there's one or two little niggly bits. Obviously, Percy has, has had an injection and, and, and Sol's um, more recently. So, But we're, we're, we're hopeful that they will be um, available for us. Um, otherwise, we're all going to be um, down to the bare bones. But, um, yeah, I'm hopeful that they'll be OK. We touched on the Colchester game on Tuesday. Was there anyone... Uh, who played in that game, did they force themselves into contention for Saturday? Um, well, listen, whenever we have a game, um, it's an opportunity for players to stake a claim. And, um, you know, there was, um, you know, it's a mixed team, as you know. There's a lot of young players in there as well that um, didn't do themselves any harm. But um, uh, o- overall, we've, we've got one or two players, obviously, coming back into the side um, or more than one or two after after the midweek game, um, the idea was that at least um, we ensure that we go into the Swindon game uh, with with some fresh legs, and uh, we've uh, we've achieved that. Teixeira played on Tuesday. Would he be available to you on Saturday? Um, yeah, we'll see how he comes through today. He won't, he won't do a lot today because it's his other than. Uh, couple of under 21 games under 23 games um, his, his first competitive one so that would have taken a fair bit out of him um, but yeah they'll go on a, he'll be on a, like a second day recovery today we'll see how he comes out of it so he's got a chance he's, he's certainly got a chance of being in 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 the um, the 19 20 man squad that travels to um, Swindon for sure yeah yeah and victory could lift you to eighth position. Yeah, I mean, it's such a tight league, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's incredible, really. But it just shows you, you do need that momentum that we all talk about uh, as managers and uh, as, as staff. Um, we just need to keep it going, because if you keep it going, you know, you can be in a much better position um, looking forward in another two or three weeks' time, for sure. Do you think this division is now settling down? It will start to settle, but um, you, you, what, what you can't do is you put your foot down and you can't bring your foot back up, put it, keep it down on the accelerator, keep moving forward, because um, if you take your foot off it, then um, you'll start to slide. Um, so take nothing for granted, no opposition for granted. It's a tough old league, and um, you know at the minute we need some points. Ross is thank you very much. There you had Russell Slade and Tony Hub there. I can feel there's a little bit of chemistry there. I think <laughs> they get on well, yeah, don't they? I think they enjoy each other's company. And I every, think fir- I think, I think Russell and Tony look forward to their Thursday after <laughs> uh, Thursday morning little chats. I think they do. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, a few things to pick up on there. The main point, as, as Tony asked, is you know we're, we're going into this game missing three players, three of our better, well, two of our better players, mm. and one player who we who was certainly got the potential to change the game from the bench. We're missing McGinnis, Lookman, and Bataka. Mm. Um, you do feel slightly hamstrung by that, surely? Yeah, it's uh, again as we said last night. It's Sky not thinking of the fans at all. If it's to be believed that it was their decision that we have to play this game, um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. But um, and we've not got a massive squad, which there's only one person who, whose fault that is. But you know, Swindon are, are down there. They're down in twenty first. Um, they've obviously brought big Timmy Sherwood in to sort things out, um, but. 
Gazer. Yeah, yeah. We've we've seen our youth players come in and and do a job before. It's a shame that we're going to probably have to blood some of them potentially again on TV, like we had to do with Piggott against Millwall. But but it's, it's another game. The players will be up for it, and I think I've got a feeling we'll be all right in this game. Uh, I think uh, Jose looks. Uh, he, he said there's a chance he's going to start. I think he's bound to start. Ricky yeah. Holmes looks like he's going to be out injured with it. Well, fifty-fifty with his foot. He said. Yeah. So ho- hopefully he'll be fit enough. But I, I don't know. I just got a bad feeling about that one. I don't know. And then we really are, as as, as Russell said, down to the bare bones. Swindon haven't done too well this season. Uh, you can tell it's getting desperate there because they've just bought in Tim Sherwood as their director of football. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I've only just. Um, oh, he's not the manager. No, no just no. the director of football. Oh, that's that's random. The isn't same, it? the same yeah, manager yeah. staying there, Luke something. Oh, that's Daniels random. That's well random. Especially as so the one, one thing he's good at is player yeah. motivation. He's but, not going to be. There. So who's the manager then? Luke something. Oh, right. so what's going to happen? Is he's going to have a bad run of results? He gets sacked, Williams, yeah. and then Tim Sherwood are going to step in. Mm. Yeah. So basically, he's just keeping the bed warm until he goes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, Swindon sitting down in twenty-first, uh, so just just inside the relegation zone. Their last time out. Uh, they were if, you, if you're excluding the checker trade before you wreck a trade uh, trophy, which, we which, they, which, which we do, they drew uh, where they drew with Exeter. They drew one on uh, Eastley, which was on TV in the FA Cup. Uh, lost four one at Scunthorpe. Lost at home to Walsall. Before they had a, a good three 0 win over Rochdale. I mean, they're not. You know, they're, obviously they're not on a great record, but they've, they've, they've shown they've got performances within themselves. If, if they can beat Roch, the likes of Rochdale, who were on a good run three 0 mm. mm. I think we have to remember. Like, let's focus on ourselves for a minute. We're in a good run of form as well. Um, we've played some okay football. We've picked up wins at home and draws away. Um, as you say, we, we're going to obviously have to change things up because of the people we're missing. Mm. Um, so it depends how Russell sets up. If we're throwing Jacko and Foley and Crofts back into a midfield three, for example, then we don't want that. But if Olverstad and Crofts can still play in the middle with mm. with Jacko and Holmes if he's fit out wide, then that, you know that's fine. And then I don't know, maybe. I guess a Jose and Novak up front, probably. Yeah, I, think, um, I think that's yeah. likely. So yeah, if that's yeah. the case, that's still a strong, strong side. Yeah. Um, what, one thing I think we said on Sunday is that potentially the the change in personnel might make us go four four two away from home. Yeah. Because we haven't got the midfielders to, or wingers yeah. to play four five one. But then if you play, if you're playing if you're playing Novak and a Jose, that means you're go, that means you're needing Holmes to start mm. because if he's if Holmes is out. You've got no one to play left or right, have you? You've got Arebo, you've got Chixon maybe, or Foley, but or and Jacko. Yeah. But you've not really no got an outlet, really, unless you get Carlin in or something. So, I think it's all going to depend on Ricky. Yeah. I think if Rick, if Ricky's unfit, I think he's going to go. I reckon they'll have to go four five one. Yeah, right. Only one win uh, on the road this season, which was uh, at Walsall early on. So we best. Uh, so we we hope we can improve on that. Just very quickly, very very quickly uh, predictions. 2-1 Charlton 2-1 Charlton 2-0 Charlton 2-0 Charlton so both predicting a win you know, you notice I never bother predicting anymore no I've noticed that yeah because I always get it wrong so, <laughs> so do I yeah, well, yeah, we've got a couple right yeah. I think. 4-0 Swindon there I'll get that wrong excellent <laughs> right this has been Charlton Live the big match preview <laughs> Tom thanks for joining Cheers, us Louis. Nathan thanks for joining us thanks Cheers. for you two for uh, managing to uh, sh- like get away from the limelight of the TV today and come back to the Charlton Live studio <laughs> packed outside I reckon oh, yeah. Yeah, later we'll, we'll come out this. in a bit <laughs> <laughs> right up in Louis Mendes this has been Charlton Live the big match preview will be back on Sunday here on Maritime Radio 7pm to uh, look back at whatever happens at Swindon Town on Saturday let's hope it's three points for the addicts ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.